0: This is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. In the Gospel of Mark, the Lord Jesus said, Whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. In our consumer culture, this verse is almost always taken out of context and assumed to refer to worldly blessings health, happiness, family, well being, and of course, stuff. But in a passage where ignoring the Bible's obvious meaning is an unforgivable sin, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven, our listeners are cautioned that what is given and what is taken away pertains not to worldly blessings but to the wisdom that comes from God. Richard and I discuss Mark chapter 4 verses 13 to 25. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Boulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 154 of the Bible as Literature podcast. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand All the parables that is an ominous question coming from Jesus on the heels of his quoting of the prophets while seeing they may see and not perceive and while hearing they may hear and not understand otherwise they might return and be forgiven he is telling his followers that they are at risk of committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit
1: It's his followers, along with the 12, who don't understand his teaching. It's one thing to have the crowds not understand the teaching, but those who specifically threw their lots in with Jesus don't understand what he's teaching. And what he's teaching is the importance of teaching. He's been talking in this parable about what it means to teach and how that relates to being a farmer and how spreading the seed and spreading the word is what's of utmost importance in what he
0: tried to do. Well and he's showing you how to teach by demonstration. Scripture is practical. Jesus demonstrates the Torah. He demonstrates God's will. Always. He's always taking action. And here he's doing what a good teacher does. A good teacher doesn't coddle students. Obviously they're students which means they are allowed some grace for their lack of understanding. But the teacher's job is to have them focus not on the fact that they deserve a break, because in the end, no one gets a break, because life is a very serious matter, The job of the teacher is to prepare them for life and to go right to the ultimate consequence for their lack of understanding. And time is of the essence for Jesus.
1: There is no time to waste. We can't forget that immediacy from the first three chapters in how he is teaching his
0: students to react. A teacher who says to a college student, they're just kids, doesn't love the student. And also assumes that what they're teaching is irrelevant. You disrespect the teaching and the student in the blink of an eye a college student is retirement age. You have no time to waste. So when a college student is not understanding or not making the effort, you have to be wise and say this is what college students do at this age. But you cannot impose that attitude on the classroom. In the classroom, you have to act like your expectation is that this person delivers as though they know for their sake. And that's how Jesus is talking here.
1: It reminds me of my friend who was in marching band in high school. Had a fantastic band. The conductor had two rules. You will look good and you will sound good. I don't care if there are two people in my band, but you're going to look good and you're going to sound good. Of course, the band was naturally lazy and sloppy. She didn't care. You had to meet the standard that the teacher set out there, and this is what Jesus is trying to do. Here is the standard. I am running around like crazy trying to get this word out. We can't sit here
0: and ruminate. The kingdom of God in 1 Corinthians is demonstrated with power, and you're seeing this power in action. The sower sows the Word. So if there were any ambiguity about what we're sowing, we're sowing the teaching, and I know you're all going to say, but what about 1 Corinthians where you die and you fall to the ground and you become... Well, what Paul is saying is that if you do what Scripture says, you become transfixed as a Word because you conform to the Word the way Jesus is transfixed in action as a Debar.
1: We're all going to die. How does your death have meaning? Your Death has meaning by showing that your
0: life had a teaching. If you do what scripture says, when you die, God's plant will grow in your place. If you don't do what scripture says, when you die, weeds will grow and choke life and fight God's plant. So the question being proposed in 1 Corinthians is, What do you want your life to produce? But the scroll doesn't die. This is the thing. People get confused. Well, Father Mark, the seed dies. No, the seed doesn't die. You die! And Paul is saying, since you're going to die anyways, why don't you become a seed unto life? But don't tell me the seed dies. The book sits on the shelf. It was there before you. It will be there after you're gone. You are the one who is temporary.
1: Even the plant is temporary. If you look at conifers in California, the only way that the seed can spread is if the tree is burned and then it spreads the seed. The seed produces a tree so that they can have more seed, but in the process of the seed being spread, the trees burned
0: down and destroyed. These are the ones who are beside the road where the Word is sown, and when they hear immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them and this is what I was saying about weeds. Do you want to be the satanas, the Satan? Do you want to be the one whose life opposes the life that God is sowing with his seed? You don't. We have the word that's
1: sown but then we have contradictory words that come and once that happens the seed cannot have strong roots and cannot grow.
0: And if you don't find a way to understand what he's saying so that you are not cursed in blindness by the prophets, you become that which chokes what the seed produces. We're still dealing with a house divided against itself. Jesus is hitting hard. He's hitting you hard with this question of who is Satan? What does the function Satan look like? And it's very difficult, but it needs to be said that when you blow off Bible study or when you don't make the effort to learn what scripture is teaching because you're excited about something else You are the one who is fighting God You can't give him lip service the way everyone does today. They talk about Jesus like their best friend It's meaningless if you're not studying scripture and trying to submit to it So we have to be serious about the business of wisdom Like Jesus is serious. You know the question that people ask what would Jesus do? He would study Hebrew He would not waste time talking about how good it feels to go to church and how blessed you are this hashtag blessed It's an affront to God Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and I have to look at Facebook. Everyone's doing hashtag blessed. You think that's Christianity? That's a big joke in a similar way these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Hashtag blessed, question mark. When the persecution will come,
1: then what happens with the plant? I mean, this is the problem. If the seed is sown, and you say, oh, this makes a lot of sense. I believe this word. I want to follow this word. I want to live out this word. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's going to be hard. Oh, well, maybe I should back. Oh, maybe it's not so practical. Maybe there's too many challenges in actually performing what this word demands of me. Uh, then maybe I'm going to back off a little bit. As soon as you back off a little bit, it no longer grows. It can't produce fruit.
0: Let me put it in another way. You're walking around telling everyone how blessed you are. What happens when you're cursed? Because that's the real question in scripture. Moreover, would you choose to be cursed so that others can be blessed, or is this about your well-being and your prosperity? If it's about your well-being and your prosperity, yeah, you love Jesus just like, just like the plants that grow up here by the rocky terrain, but your love of Jesus, as my father, may he rest in peace, would say, and 50 cents will not pay for my coffee. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So this is after the
1: word has taken root, has grown into a plant. This is what happens as one becomes mature, in the teaching, mature in the faith, so to speak, but then as one becomes more mature, one gains power within the institution, one wants to create an institution, one wants a bigger building, one wants to build onto the building, one wants to increase the numbers of the congregation, and these concerns, these worries, then choke off the work that the word has to have. Don't forget, Jesus, as soon as numbers started increasing, he left. He fled. He went on a boat so he didn't have to have more contact with these people. He kept moving, moving, moving. As soon as you say, we need, to, we need to nurture this and grow and grow and grow and grow, that's not the point. The point is the teaching has to be spread. That's how it grows. We don't grow up this one plant. Like I said, it's not about the plant. It's about the seed for the next
0: generation and casting the seed even more broadly
1: for the next generation.
0: I got this amazing job. I bought this amazing thing. I live in this amazing place. I am this amazing. This is how consumers talk. And the millennials are drunk with consumerism. I don't know sometimes whether to be angry or sad when I see what's happening to the younger generation and how our generation has poisoned them because they really believe in the dollar in a way that. I never even imagined possible in our culture.
1: The churches themselves measure themselves according to
0: number of people, popularity, and dollars. People get up in the morning, they don't cross themselves and pray or read from the Psalter. They turn on the radio to hear where the stock market is. And you can say, oh yeah, Father Mark, well, you can talk that way. But it is a fact that in one generation, people went from getting up in the morning washing their face and saying good morning to God and reading a psalm they went from that to checking the stock market and trying to figure out what restaurant they were going to go to and if you take what Jesus is saying seriously that is an ominous problem for our culture for our society the word then is
1: going to lie dormant it won't produce the plant that will give it the fruit for the next generation because of
0: the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things That is, I think, the message of the podcast this Christmas season. Consumerism is unto death. The seed, which looks like death to you, is unto life. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. He's repeating this message of bounty. This is the second time we've heard this formula. One of the ominous facts about jesus's exegesis of his own mashal is that everybody heard the word everybody tried to respond to the word but two-thirds of the population despite having heard the message did not manifest fruit this reflects how biology works this reflects how farming works i mean now they have technology where they can maximize yield and so forth but even now with all the technology there's still always doubt about what yield will be when it comes time for harvest. In this verse, the difference
1: is they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. The sign of whether things are working is, have you borne fruit? And this then helps clarify why Jesus was so frustrated with these people who wanted to be healed. Okay, fine, they were healed. That's nice for them, but that's not what Jesus is about. Jesus needs to plant a seed to create a plant so that there will be seed for the next generation. If someone comes to Jesus to be healed, how does that help produce seed? How does that produce fruit? It does nothing. Jesus is about producing fruit and taking what Jesus has is not even half the battle. When he took Peter and the fishermen and everyone who was willing to drop everything to follow him, they hadn't accomplished anything yet. All we know is that we have potentially good soil That's it, potentially good soil. We don't have fruit. He then told the 12 what he expected of them. But even in the description of the 12, we know that not all the 12 are going to be good. Not all the 12 are going to bear fruit. And so if the individual who's listening to this, if the individual hearer of the gospel wants to know, am I good soil, am I not good soil? Well, well, look at your fruit. It's very simple. Are you excited? Okay, that's not fruit. Do you have a lot of people in your congregation? That's not fruit.
0: Are you hashtag blessed? I have bad news for you. That's not fruit.
1: It's not fruit because what does it produce? Blessed is what all the people who had their person healed felt. Oh, that was that was awesome. He healed my affliction and I feel awesome, hashtag blessed. But Jesus had no time for those people. Right. Jesus needed people who could teach. Jesus needed people who would listen to him, accept the word. Not just hear it, accept it, hold on to it
0: so that they could bear the fruit. So that they could be cursed and fall to the ground and die in 1 Corinthians so that their death would produce life. Because once those people die, then we need seed for the
1: third generation. This is the point, is that you live in such a way that when you die,
0: your death will produce more seed. And he was saying to them a lamb. Is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? And here, dear listeners, do not do what your American hymnal tells you to do, which is pretend like you are the lamp and you are the light. You're not letting your light shine. That's silly. It's not your light. It's the light of God's teaching. It is the light to the nations, which Paul sarcastically criticizes his own people for saying that they are the light to the nations. No, it is the Torah that is the light to the nations. That is the gift. That is the lamp. That is the hope. And he is warning his students that I'm trying to make you understand in plain Greek what this means. Now that you've got it, you had better share it. You had better not covet it the way that Jerusalem covets the Torah and speaks to the world as though they wrote the Bible and it belongs to them and you need them in order to benefit from the Bible and everything else they have to offer. Like, I don't know what, hummus, bake sales, Greek festivals? What else do you have to offer besides the light to the nations? Looking recently at the history of the Reformation,
1: the whole idea was, okay, now we're going to make Scripture available to everybody. And now everyone will be able to read Scripture. Everyone will be able to understand. But then you look at the churches, and the churches are full of people who read a little piece here and a little piece there, and college students who spend more time in their chemistry textbook than they do in the Bible. So what did the Reformation bring? It brought a possibility that very, very few people actually benefit from, that they actually do. The fruit didn't come of it. So we have now bible available to everybody online you can get a paperback i saw them at the dollar store actually you can get a bible at the dollar store now anyone has
0: access to the text but who receives it and now jesus is almost being sarcastic you want to know what a mystery is i'll tell you what a mystery is a mystery is not a justification of the authority of jerusalem For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. Which means that if the parable is a mystery, it's a mystery so that it could be taught and explained. Because in what field of academia does a teacher stand up and say, you can't understand what I'm saying. It's not possible. Isn't it so beautiful? I'll tell you what field of education talks that way. People who are selling you something, who are peddling you something, and what they're peddling is themselves. Themselves and their own knowledge that's locked up in their brain
1: and can't be shared. And what Jesus is saying is that this teaching is a revelation of everything that you were supposed to have known. Everything that you can read in the Old Testament, I'm just trying to explain it to you plainly so that you can then go out and
0: teach it. And in verse 23, you can almost see Jesus just wielding a handful of seed and throwing it in the air like he's at a wedding procession. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's casting the seed everywhere. Anybody who wants to hear, hear and we'll see who receives it, who accepts it, and we'll see who bears fruit.
1: And this is why Jesus is pressed for time. Jesus is working hard to get this out there. He can't spare time. He has to sow all the time.
0: And I need to remind everyone. So far in Mark, Jesus is throwing seed left and right, but he has not been to Jerusalem. Please mark that down and do not take it for granted. Anyone can hear, but he's not even wasting time at Jerusalem because they're almost a lost cause. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given you. Besides, this cuts both ways. If you are interested in NPR's report each morning on the stock market and that's where you orient your life, that is what you're going to reap. If you get up every morning and you read from the Psalter, more of the wisdom of the Psalter will be added to you. It's not rocket science. Do not hear this the way the hashtag blessed crowd hears it. Like, oh, my children are healthy, and I have such a good life, and a big house, and everything's so peaceful. I don't understand why they're so hateful in the Middle East, blah, 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 blah. Scribes and Pharisees, I'm so blessed. Don't hear it that way. Because the blessing, the real blessing, has nothing to do with what you put in your mouth. The real blessing has to do with what comes out of your mouth which means it's about wisdom, Richard, it's about the teaching.
1: One can take heart in that if you really dedicate yourself to producing fruit, you will produce fruit. So take heart, but if you sell it short and use a small measure, you're gonna produce very little. If you actually trust this word that it can produce, you'll see it produce. It requires that leap of faith that this is
0: something I must hold on to and I must continue to teach. Don't say you're blessed. Say you're unworthy, and you give thanks to God for all things. What you perceive as a blessing or you perceive as a curse, if you are blessed scripturally, you understand that God holds everything in the palm of his hand, and you are at his mercy, and it is all good if it happens because it comes from him. That is bold. There are so many people who go on
1: so-called missionary trips to third world countries and see how poor everybody is and they come back to the United States and they say, boy, I really now appreciate all the things that I have. I really understand how blessed I am to have running water and hot water and Starbucks and the mall. The point is I am sipping my Starbucks at their expense. Right. I am putting these clothes on my back literally at their expense. They literally put their children out of school so they can make these clothing that I put on my back. Look how blessed I am. No, this shows how cursed you are because you are not even producing fruit. You're taking the fruit of others' labor. And instead of saying how blessed you are after going and seeing how poor these people are, the correct thing to say is like you said, Father, I am a wicked and unworthy servant. All these people are suffering, and all I do is take from them.
0: The correct thing is to submit to the wisdom of your ancestors and say the verse that is universally said by every denomination, every church, in every language in the ancient Christian world, which is Kiri Aleison, Lord have mercy. When you come back and you realize how much you have and how much others do not have, the correct response is to ask for mercy. Because the Lord is coming to set things right and to make sure that justice is served and you are on the wrong side of the Lord's justice when you have and others do not have. So it's hashtag Kiri hashtag Lord have mercy. This is where everyone's mentality is so screwed up. Screwed up by our belief in possession, which is what the Lord says chokes the seed. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And Jesus is not referring to your Starbucks, or your Cadillac, or your air conditioning unit, or your Mac. He is referring to the wisdom of the teaching. If you study and you make the effort to receive God's wisdom, you will receive wisdom upon wisdom, And, as John will say in another text, grace upon grace.
1: If you decide you want to trust, you'll be given more trust, you'll be given more faith. But if you don't trust, even the small amount of trust that you do have will
0: be gone. We just read it recently when we did the slava for Anna at church, the slava for St. Nicholas. In the life of St. Nicholas, it's clear the reason everybody respected Nicholas is because he studied Scripture. This is what was added to Nicholas for his effort to take God's teaching seriously. Now, the tragedy of Nicholas is that he's been reduced to a commercial for Walmart. But while it's a tragedy, in a way, it's also amazing that the impact of this man's memory, because he took the wisdom of God seriously, is so powerful, you still can't erase him from the consciousness of modern man. So it's a serious business. And the fact that he's still there, even though he's been emasculated by consumerism, the fact that he's still there is still an opportunity. It's an opportunity to remind people about what really matters. So I would invite
1: our listeners to comment on today's episode. What
0: should you be thanking God for? Yes, or what should you be seeking mercy for? Thanks very much, Dr. Ben. Thank you, Father.